Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Thank you. My name is Andrew Levine. I'm an elder here, and this is my first sermon. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. So if you don't mind, please take copious notes, laugh at my jokes, and in return, I'll keep it under an hour and a half. Kids, this is a bingo Sunday. So I hope everybody has their sheet. I'm not really paying attention to this, but I know the, the words are littered throughout, so you guys pay attention. Our passage this morning is likely a familiar one. It appears in each of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's a simple story, really. On the surface, it's just another miracle that Jesus performs. It's just another encounter with someone at the margins. So it may be easy to miss just how full this passage is for us today. But the question I have for us this morning is this. What expectations do you have in coming to Jesus? Whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or a short time or not at all, what expectations do you have of Jesus? I don't mean that as a deeply theological question. Is, is he fully God? Is he fully man? What's the Trinity? Just what do, you, what do you expect of Jesus? Perhaps you, like me, tend to view Jesus as powerful, but you wonder, does he really love you? Or maybe you're drawn to Jesus' heart, but you're not sure if he can help a sinner like you, if he can handle your sin and your baggage. As we'll see in our text this morning, Jesus doesn't shrink from our questions, and he isn't offended by them. Rather, Jesus invites us to bring our questions to him and to encounter a God who is, able to, who is willing and able to save. So let's read now together our passage, which is in Mark chapter 1, verse 40. It's on page 655 in your pew Bible. Please give your attention to the reading of God's holy word. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will... You can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Praise to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and we pray that you would illuminate this text by your spirit so that we may more fully understand who Jesus is. Father, will you give me the words to speak, and will you soften our hearts to receive them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever had a question for someone, but you weren't quite sure what the answer would be? Maybe you had no idea at all. Maybe you had a hunch. Maybe you had a hope. But you didn't want to assume anything. As I was looking for the requisite sermon anecdote that I have the impression all good sermons include, I thought about one time in particular I had a question for someone, someone in this very room. 
Thirteen years ago, I nervously paddled across a lake in North Georgia with my girlfriend, now wife, Lori. I was nervous to ask her an important question. And I was really nervous because I had a shiny new ring in my bag that I didn't want to end up on the bottom of the lake. I had a hunch what her answer would be. And after two hours of rambling, I finally asked her my burning question. Do you maybe want to get married one day? Possibly soon? <laughs> to which she responded, oh, wait, you're serious. She was confused because we were sitting on the water's edge. I wasn't down on one knee. I didn't have the ring in my hand. So seeing her confusion, I quickly grabbed the ring and I confidently asked her to marry me and she said yes. Thank you, darling. Lori may have a slightly different telling of the story. You'll have to ask her. But the point of my story is this. I had a question whose answer I couldn't be entirely sure of. And the only way to get my question answered was to bring it to Lori. In verse 40, we see a leper approaching Jesus with his very own question. And his question is this, are you willing? All right, spoiler alert for anybody who likes three points. The first point is that yes, Jesus is willing. But before we jump into the question, let's explore for a moment what leprosy or various skin diseases, as your footnote says, meant in Jesus' day. I'm going to get technical for just a minute, so please hang with me. All right, in the book of Leviticus, after Moses has led uh, the people of Israel out of Egypt, God gives Moses all sorts of rules for how the people should relate to God and to one another. The first nine chapters give detailed instructions for various sacrifices they're to offer. The back half of the book prescribes key feasts and rituals and rules for living with each other. And right in the middle, in chapters 10 through 15, God gives specific guidelines for distinguishing between what is clean and what is unclean. Now, I want to say this. On the surface, these rules may seem bizarre, maybe even oppressive, but they serve more as a symbol and a reminder of our spiritual uncleanness before a holy God. What's remarkable here isn't the exacting rules for when and how someone could be considered clean. It's actually that we could approach God at all, and that he made a way for us to do that. Looking at Leviticus 13 specifically, we see God's instructions for someone with a skin condition. He is to present himself to the priests. Now, the priests can't cleanse him. Only God can do that. What they can do is say, yes, you're clean or you're unclean. And if the priest deems the person unclean, Leviticus 13.45 instructs to wear torn clothes and to let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. In other words, the unclean person is excluded both from the social life within the camp as well as God's dwelling at the center of the camp. Now, as uncomfortable as the skin condition could be, the primary concern here isn't health. That's not the real concern. But also in Leviticus, God says that anyone who touches something unclean is considered unclean himself. And so the leper's cut off from his community, lest he make others unclean. But it's not just his community. 
Leviticus also says that nothing unclean may approach the Lord's dwelling. So the leper is cut off from his religious practice. He can't participate in the life of the local synagogue. He can't join in the three annual feasts in Jerusalem each year. He's cut off from God's presence. The rules continue in chapter 14, where we read that if the leper is actually cleansed by God, he goes goes back to the priest, and the priest, if he deems him clean, helps him offer sacrifices that restore him to his religious and social community. All right, with that in mind, let's jump back to our passage in Mark. We see earlier in the chapter, chapter 1, verse 28, that Jesus' fame was spreading everywhere throughout the region of Galilee. And it appears that the news must have reached even whatever lonely camp the leper was living in. So he too was drawn to seek Jesus out. We read that the leper comes to Jesus and he begs, If you will, you can make me clean. There are a few things I'd like to notice in this question. First, let's consider that the leper approaches Jesus not to have his condition evaluated. He wants to be made clean. The priests were powerless to cleanse leprosy. All they could do was say, yes, you're clean, or no, you're unclean. But this leper isn't coming to Jesus for a diagnosis. He wants a miracle. At minimum, he sees Jesus as a man of God, much like Elisha, who cleansed Naaman from his leprosy in the Old Testament. At most, the leper sees Jesus as God himself. The second thing to notice here are the relational implications of this interaction. Neither Jesus nor the leper shy away from this bold encounter. In Leviticus 5.3, it says that anybody who touches something unclean becomes unclean himself, but Jesus, that doesn't stop Jesus from coming into contact with this leper. And then further in Leviticus, Leviticus 15.31, we see that he, this, the leper himself, actually risks death because he is unclean coming into contact with God. Think about here Moses, who has to remove his sandals when he comes into God's presence, or Aaron's sons, who come before him to offer a sacrifice, but they don't do it in the right way, and they're struck down. This is such faith from the leper to approach Jesus like this. The third thing I want to notice is the leper's request itself, if you will. Now, has anyone here read Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland? A few people, yeah. It's really an excellent book, and frankly, it transformed how I understand Christ's heart towards me. If you haven't read it, we have several copies in the, the office, and we'd love for you to have one. I highly recommend it. But the author notes here that the verb will, if you will, is used to describe one's deep desires or wishes. This isn't a casual request, not will you pass me the salt. The leper knows that Jesus can make him clean, but his question is, and the question many of us have, is will you make me clean? With this question still hanging in the air, let's go back to verse 41 to see how Jesus responds. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Gentle and lowly again notes that the Greek word used here for pity or compassion could be translated, Jesus felt it in his guts. I want to pause here again and consider the question I began with. What expectations do we bring to Jesus? 
Do you believe he looks at you with compassion and pity? Or do you really fear judgment and condemnation? Maybe you anticipate pity, but compassion? Do you really believe that what Jesus feels when he sees you, he feels in his guts? That he isn't repelled by you, but rather moves towards us in our brokenness? As theologian B.B. Warfield notes, Jesus' prime characteristic was love, and love is the foundation of compassion. When Jesus saw the leper's bold approach and heard his uncertain question, he responded in love and compassion. Friends, do you believe that Jesus awaits you and your questions with love and compassion? As we read on, we see that Jesus isn't content only to feel compassion, but he acts on it. Verse 41 again, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Remember, Leviticus 5.3 makes clear this would have made Jesus unclean. He's touching an unclean leper. But he doesn't hesitate for a moment. This is the Jesus who dined with tax collectors and prostitutes, He came for the sick, not the healthy, and he took on human flesh to identify with us in our weaknesses. Jesus isn't only content to feel the compassion himself, he wants the leper to feel his compassion too. I want you to think with me for a moment what this must have been like for the leper. Can you imagine what he must have felt in this moment? Maybe he lived around some other lepers, so maybe he wasn't entirely a stranger to human company, but maybe he had had a wife. Maybe he had had children, and he's entirely cut off from them now. And from everybody else that he encounters, remember, he has to say, unclean, unclean, he's cut off. There's nothing but fear and avoidance. To feel another person's touch must have blown his mind. I imagine that any doubts the leper had about Jesus' willingness to make him clean melted away in an instant. Finally, having responded to the leper's question with his touch, Jesus answers the leper's question with words, I will be clean. It's a simple response. He's using the leper's own words here. It feels at the same time tender and yet powerful. The leper has received the answer he longed to hear. Jesus is willing. I mentioned that gentle and lowly was transformative for me, me, and here's why. I have the same question the leper has. I don't really struggle to see Jesus as powerful or able to help me, but if I'm really honest, I don't believe that Jesus looks at me with tenderness and compassion. Instead of resting in his love, there's always a part of me that's waiting for the other shoe to drop. But that's not who Jesus reveals himself to be in the Gospels. Yes, he was sinless. Yes, he is holy. And yes, his heart towards me and towards you is love and compassion. The answer Jesus gives the leper is the same answer Jesus has for us today. He was willing to cleanse the leper He was willing to die in our place, and he is willing to help us. We just need to bring our needs to him 
So what needs are you holding back from Jesus today? Reading on, we see that Jesus isn't only willing to help us, but he's able to help us, which is our second point this morning, if you're a a three-point person. So the first point, Jesus was willing. The second point, Jesus is able. Verse 42 says, And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Maybe you sense Jesus' compassion, but you wonder if he's really able to help you. Sure, he cleansed a leper's skin condition, but can he really help someone like me? Are you hesitating to bring your questions to the Lord out of fear that he'll have nothing to offer in response? Friends, Jesus is able to handle our questions, and Jesus is able to help us in our time of need. He invites us to come. All right, Jesus has answered the leper's question loud and clear. Let's pick back up in verse 43 to see how the story continues. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. This part's a little interesting. First, Jesus sternly instructs the leper not to tell anyone what's happened. Why? Some scholars interpret this charge as more of a rebuke, implying that Jesus is rebuking the man for whatever sin had caused his leprous condition, as they thought at the time. Perhaps it's a warning not to resort to that sin. Calvin, among others, suggested that Jesus was concerned that his spreading fame would detract from his mission to preach the good news. This argument resonates with stories where Jesus tells evil spirits not to tell anyone who he is, or he tells others that he's healed not to go and tell anyone. Rather than tell anyone, the leper is instructed to obey the rules of Leviticus 14. Go to the priest. If he declares you clean, proceed to offer the required sacrifices. Jesus is eager for this man to be restored into society and into the presence of God. Calvin calls this a mercy. This is a gift that Jesus gives him. He's given an opportunity to show his gratitude to the Lord. The sacrifices aren't only for the man, however. Look at the last bit of his instruction. He says, as a proof or a testimony to them. Them here likely refers to the priests, who would understand that this healing comes from God alone. Jesus, of course, knows full well the rules of Leviticus, and he honors them. As he says in Matthew 5:17, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill them. That's what he's doing here. And throughout the Gospels, he's doing what the law could not do. Law couldn't heal this leper. The law cannot heal our brokenness. It can only condemn. Jesus alone can give life. Finally, we come to our resolution of sorts in verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. The leper blatantly disobeys Jesus' command. Now, I presume he makes his way to the priest eventually so that he can be restored into his community, but not before he spreads the news with abandon. I love the significance, by the way, 
This man whose greeting to anybody previously would have been unclean, unclean, now going and approaching anybody he can and telling them the good news of how he was cleansed by Jesus. But whether he willfully disobeys or just can't help himself, we have to note that there's a consequence just the same. As a result of Jesus' growing fame, he's forced to stay outside in the desolate or lonely places. And that's our final point this morning. Jesus' healing work costs him something. Note that Jesus physically trades places with the leper. It was the leper who is in desolate places. He comes to Jesus, and now he's restored to his community, and it's Jesus who's forced into the desolate places. Friends, this isn't only true of the leper, it's true for all of us. We are spiritual lepers. We are all unclean, and Jesus is willing, and Jesus is able to take our place. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The question is, will we come to him? Or will we let our uncertainties about who he is get in the way? Friends, Jesus is willing and Jesus is able, so let us come to him. That's the call for each of us this morning. I want to end this morning with a call specifically to Village Church. You may remember that earlier in the spring, some of our leaders met together to do some strategic planning. And one of the things we did, one exercise, was to review and refresh our mission, vision, and values. And Lee shared some of those at a family meeting in the spring, but I'd like to share them again now. They're also on our website if you want to look at them later. So, Wes, if you don't mind. We articulated three core values, and the first one is gospel flourishing. I'm not going to read this in full, but what we wanted to do is we wanted to articulate what the gospel does for us, both individually and as a body. And that it's most fundamental, the gospel transforms us. The good news of Jesus' life and death brings restoration with God and with one another. In our story this morning, that's exactly what happened when the leper encountered Jesus. He went from unclean to clean and was restored to God's presence. Our second value is gospel community. The gospel invites us into community. That's why we gather. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we extend the peace of Christ to one another. Because Christ has broken down the barriers that separated us from God, and God, Christ has broken down the barriers between us. And he's made the church to be one body made up of many parts. Likewise, this leper, who is transformed by his encounter with Jesus, is restored to his community. And lastly, our third value is gospel mission. The gospel compels us to join Jesus as his co-laborers in the renewal of our broken world. I don't want to minimize the cost of the leper's disobedience, but his desire to share his good news is, just seems natural. It seems like a natural response to what has happened to him. Likewise, we've been transformed by Jesus and invited into community, and we're called to join with each other to go out into the world around us, starting with our neighborhood. Would you pray with me that God would fulfill this vision in our church? That this would be a place where the good news of Jesus transforms hearts, 
relationships in the world around us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you welcome us to draw near to you even with our uncleanness, even with our questions and our doubts, Father. Whether we doubt that you're willing or that you're able or both, Lord, those questions are not too difficult for you, but you desire to engage us with those questions and you desire for us to bring our hearts to you, Lord. Would we do that this morning? Father, we pray that you would empower us by your spirit to be transformed by your word and by the good news of Jesus. Would you transform our community and would you compel us into the world around us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.